Hello, everybody. We are back. We are here. We are live as usual. Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that helps you unleash your creativity and helps you navigate the publishing world one word at a time. My name is Maccabee. This is my co-host, Miss Chelsea. Chelsea. See, I always have to double check to see which one she's going to say because depending... <laughs> Depending on how she's feeling. Unless I'm feeling. in trouble. <laughs> Unless I'm in trouble. When we were at, uh, when we were in Raleigh, we were at the GalaxyCon Raleigh. I wasn't paying it. I was in my own little world, doing my own little thing, as you know, creatively, like everybody does the whole thing. And out of nowhere, my husband does my first, middle, and last name. Just shouted the whole thing out, and it was like I was being scolded by my mother, and I had like flashbacks to being five years old. I, I have definitely had that from my own wife. And when you have four four names, it's even worse <laughs> because oh, yeah. it takes time to say four very long names. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. no. Oh, no. Yeah. Like you got so angry you were willing to say all of this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I've had flashbacks to my hillbilly mom who's like five foot nothing, a buck nothing, barely wet. And her just having that wooden spoon in her hand. I literally am a wooden spoon survivor. Listen, I grew up in the South. Like I swear uh, my friend's mother could like wing a flip-flop around a corner and like it hits you every single time. Like oh. I promise you, even when you were whispering and they're like, oh, this is so stupid, whatever. And they would just pop around the corner. Like, what did you say? It's like, I said nothing. <laughs> I said nothing. I was saying the alphabet. You will say anything. It doesn't even have to make sense. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm, okay. But we are here. If this is your first time, thank you. If this is your second or more than second time, welcome. We appreciate you joining us continuously to this ridiculousness we call a show. Last episode, which was Tuesday, we were talking about banned books. We were talking about all those things that we deal with, giving you some tips and tricks on that. Um, what are some of the things that are really going on when we're dealing with this? What are the real reasons why pe people are getting their books banned? We told you, give you some places to look up uh, what is being banned for that month per se, uh, what keyword. There's actually a list of 850 vulgar words uh, in Texas that the politicians use. Go find that out. Uh, we gave you some resources about dealing with misinterpretations and opinions about books and your writing itself, either what you think it is actually is because you wrote it compared to what somebody else thinks about it. Because Chelsea has had multiple people come up to her during her times at these galaxy gods and ask her, it's like, oh, yeah, the symbolism about this. You're like, I have no clue what the hell you're talking about, but good to you. <laughs> yes and no. It's really hard. Yeah. But Yes. We learned about cancel culture and yes. how to avoid being canceled, how to properly or nicely put in <laughs> your experiences the proper way without going overboard and how to kind of steer away from trying to be, get your name out there by becoming one of those band books. Yeah, exactly. And so today we're actually bringing on an author who has actually talked about this with the help of his his wife, uh, Hyung Suk. Initially, it's all Kim Hyung Suk, but her her first name is Hyun Suk. I hope I said that properly. If not, he will let me know. They wrote a 
graphic novel. Now, for all those people who are like, oh, this is, we're talking about graphic novels. I can start off. No, no, no. Here it's out. Storytelling is storytelling. It doesn't matter what form it's in. Okay. We were talking about anime last, last episode. And that's a huge, uh oh, the door opened. The door opened. <laughs> she's got those, she's got ghosts in her post. <laughs> I love her dog. Her dog is so fun because he loves to come in. It was in locked. It was locked. He knows. He knows. He, he's an escape artist, just like our next author, who is helping his wife tell her story because she actually left North Korea and, or actually, take that back. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I would, you know what? I'm just going to let, Let's just bring Ryan, him in. I'm just going to let Ryan come in and tell us all of this. Hello. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. And we appreciate your, your wife's story as well, because this is something that a lot of people don't know about Korea. We all know that they are government wise. They are very tight on information and what information they want people to see comparatively to what is actually happening. So I'm just going to stop talking. I'm going to help you just introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us something that, you know, most people don't know about you. Well, uh, my name is Ryan Estrada. I am the co-author of Band Book Club, which is about my wife growing up in South Korea. I'll say a, a thing people may not know is that even though Band Book Club was banned in a school recently, uh, that's not my first work to ever be banned in a school. The very first comic I ever tried to have published uh, was banned from my middle school newspaper because it was about a friendly bug and it was called Wendell the Wasp. And my principal had it banned because he thought it was offensive to white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, I don't know what that means. I'm 12. <laughs> I'm, some of the stuff that people come up with, it's like, you're just like, wait, I'm sorry, where, where did you even come up with, like, and then you start questioning your own writing, right? Did you go back and it was like, hold on a second, maybe I did do that. I'm like, I, I had never heard the word before. I'm like, literally, what does that word mean, sir? Wasp is a bug. <laughs> Got a little stinger. He's having adventures. I don't know, man. Even at the age of 12, he's already going against propaganda. Um, yeah. <laughs> what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, do something to get noticed anyways. So can you tell us a little bit in 10 words or less, what is Band Book Club about? 10 words or less. First, they come for the books, then for the people. Oh. That was 10 exactly. Oh. I feel like you practiced that. <laughs> he wrote it down before he came like on. It. <laughs> My gosh. First, they come for the books, then they come for the people. When I was saying earlier, because I was thinking that she was from North Korea because of what I know about Korea, especially the northern part. And now you're you telling me that she's from South Korea. I did not know that this was going on in South Korea. Yeah, well, what people don't realize is that like basically after the war, when North Korea and South Korea, like there was an arbitrary line drawn by non-Koreans uh, said this is one country is the other, they basically started at the same point. They both were split up. Whatever people happened to be on one side of the border were there, and they had dictators trying to take over. And it was the difference of how uh, the people reacted, whereas in South Korea, as we chronicle in the book, people fought back. They read the books they weren't supposed to. 
They protested, even though they weren't supposed to, they risked their lives and they got rid of that regime that was trying to take over. Uh, whereas in North Korea, they weren't able to do that. And that regime is still in charge. So South Korea has changed so much since then. Now it's this beautiful democracy where the people aren't afraid to stand up. Like there was a point in recent history where every single living ex-president was in jail at the same time because the people are like, you did a crime. I don't care. You're going to jail. We've been through this. But whereas in North Korea, it's the exact opposite. You can't even lightly criticize political leader or else you go you and your whole family go to a prison camp so yeah it's it this is uh a lot of people don't realize the korea was like that in the 1980s and it's definitely changed since then wow when i look at this because that that changes a lot of I, I, even on what i was about to ask on so i'm a little bit off on this but it makes me wonder when you're saying that they were able to fight back and they were willing to take this to their grave. It didn't matter what was going on or not. They were ready to fight. They were willing to fight. It reminds me of somebody back in 1829. Uh, the gentleman's name was David Walker, and he was a freed African-American who put out a pamphlet called Appeal, and it was to really remove slavery, to become that person that really just said, screw it. I'm not, we're not doing this. I'm not going to be just, you know, the person's not going to be talking about slavery. Unfortunately on his end, not even a year later after it was, you know, censored by the South, he was put to death. In this case, in South Korea, it's pretty much South, South, same thing. There is still that sense of, clarity whether or not you can do this or not especially when your your wife was growing up how dangerous really was it for her to live this life for her to be in that band book club and like help smuggle books and uh talk about these protests was incredibly dangerous and like she had a friend that went to prison she had friends that were tortured she herself was interrogated but like kind of just played dumb and talked about other things until the the cop got bored like that was one of the, the stories that made me realize, oh, there's a book here. Like when I found out about how she she tricked him into the only way, the only reason she didn't get in trouble or get arrested is that the cop call, called her parents' house when she happened to be there. And uh, she she had to do this phone call where her dad was listening. So she had to pretend she was talking to a boy that she liked from school. And she had to pretend like her parents weren't there for the cop and pulled off both conversations at once. And if it weren't for her ability to pull that off, she would have, the cops would have come to her parents' house and arrested her. But she like tricked the cop into meeting her at a coffee shop because that's what she was pretending. And so like she, you know, risked a lot and a lot like the, the story in the book of the friend that went to prison, that's all based on real diaries we were able to get from one of her old uh, friends the, the stories of people being tortured, like I, I know that guy very well. Uh, he, he did interviews for the book. And of course, we talk about the, the incident in uh, Guangzhou where the, the president literally just slaughtered a whole town uh, claiming that they were North Korean spies when it was just teenagers who were like, hey, we would like to vote. And he just slaughtered people. So people made a lot of, of risks. And at first it was it was just young people and people were like, ah, you, you know, 
someone has to be annoying first because people are like, ah, I get it, but you got to be annoying and protest and the police come and there's smoke bombs. But then eventually more and more people realized, oh, this is actually very serious. We have to take it serious. So what made you decide to do this story as a graphic novel as opposed to writing it in a traditional style? Well, comics is something I've always done. Like I said, I was doing it in middle school. I was doing it as a baby. I was pitching to newspapers when I was six years old. And it's something my wife has never been interested in. It's a dorky thing that her husband does. It all came about just because we were hiking on a mountain one day and she had met some friends and she casually mentioned that something reminded her of when she was interrogated by the KCIA for running an illegal underground book club. And I'm like, what, when you did what? Wait, wait, back up. We've known each other for over a decade. Wait. And then I just tweeted about like, you would not believe the thing I just learned about my wife. And based on those tweets, we were offered a book deal to make it into a graphic novel. And so uh, at first I asked her, like, do you think there's enough story there to make a whole book? She's like, not really. We just read books. And then every follow-up question I asked her, I'm like, wait, you did what? And so that's when we kind of realized there's enough. Now we're, I'm, I'm illustrating two sequels right now. Like there's a lot of story there. And so being a comic came out of me working on it with her and the publisher that offered it being comic publisher. But I think it really works for the story because I wanted it to feel just like teen hangout manga. I don't want people to look at it and feel like they're reading a history book. They're reading a political book because the history and the politics are what's interrupting their life. Yeah. These kids aren't, these kids are trying to make friends. They're trying to get good grades. They're trying to stay in school. They're trying to flirt with boys and this political history uh, is keeping them from doing it. And so that's kind of, I, I think reading it is getting these messages to a lot of young people that wouldn't, they, they wouldn't p pick up a book about history, but like, you know, a book about friends that like are dealing with these issues is teaching them a lot. Uh, not just history, but present because history, the book's about how history repeats itself. And I didn't realize how much history was going to repeat itself after the book came out to the point that, people are saying things about our books that are written in the book because they haven't read it and they don't know. Well, that makes it easy. Do you have any advice for people? You are the first graphic novelist that we've had on here. So fun little interruption of your story. Do you have advice for any of those people that are trying to do a graphic novel? Because as you said, you've done this for a long time. So now I'm sure it's kind of fluid for you. Is there a system that you use? Well, I mean, a story is a story. Uh, when I start a, a project, like I'm just thinking, I just watch it in my head like a movie, no matter what kind of project I'm doing. And then at the point that I, it's time to write, write a story, then that's when I sit down, like now we're going to turn it to a comic and it, it feel like I'm adapting something, but it really, it's, it's about the page is more important. You know, in, in a, when you write a novel, you have no idea what font, whatever font size they choose. That's what it'll stop in the middle of a sentence. But in a graphic novel, each page is a complete thought. Think of it like a sentence. You don't, you don't want to pack in too much. You don't want to pack in too little. When you end a, a page, there should be some kind of impact, like the, uh, the period of a sentence. And then it carries on to the next page. Like the, you think of timing, like if you were telling a story live, like if you have a dramatic reveal, do I put it at the end of the page? Or do I make it so pe when people turn the page, they see it on the next page. So they have that moment to think and wonder and maybe it it uh 
they have one expectation and they have time to think about it to turn the page and they, it subverts that expectation. So it's really thinking about what people are seeing. And a lot of times I'll write a script and I'll have way too much dialogue. And then once I, I start drawing and I'm like, I don't need this dialogue because I drew it. People can see that this person did this. They don't need to say it. So it's, it's really, it's a lot like poetry because what's the minimum dialogue they need to say that's going to get this across and have the rhythm that makes it interesting by the end of the page. I, I think that's interesting the way that you say that. Go ahead, Chelsea. No, I was just thinking like, I don't think it's fair that people can draw. I can't draw like straight line with a ruler and my husband makes fun of me for it. So I always think it's, it's really fascinating to hear about artists, even though deep down I'm like fuming with jealousy, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's exactly right. I read a lot of manga. I read a lot of those things and that's, it seems so effortless in a way when, because they all seem to somehow do that. And they do a variety of what you were saying with sometimes you have that epic explosion at the end of the page or you flip the page and you have a completely different story. And it's very, it's a really cool way to interpret a story. Well, let me tell you, it, it is in fact a lot of effort. It is. Oh, I'm yeah. book I, right. I didn't illustrate Band Book Club, but I'm illustrating a book right now. And oh man, day and night. <laughs> so much work. Here's the thing that I, I think a lot of people forget about how much work goes into these this product. Graphic novels, graphic memoirs, in this case of what this one is, is technically written under as from the legal state, standpoint. If you look at the overall evolution of comics and graphic novels, it wasn't until like the, I think it was like the late sixties, early seventies that there was a, uh, there was a Russian artist and I cannot remember the, the name of it for life of me. Um, no, it was back in the forties. I'm sorry. Back in the forties when they were dealing with uh, writing graphic novels about uh, the Nazis, there was, because every page was just these big blocks. There was this normal I think it was like six to eight blocks per page. And then this one gentleman basically told a story of this gentleman just moving from in fear from, you know, normal, normal walking uh, to get on a on a train to where he would heard something and was in just in fear of his life. And like within five very thin uh, sections, you could tell the story of what this guy was feeling. And when I'm looking at yours, I can see the way that, oh gosh, I know I'm going to, please say the, the, the illustrator's name, because I know I'm going to kill it again. And you just tried to help me with this. His name is uh, Hyungju, Ko Hyungju. Ko Hyungju. The way that he designed this and he, he put this out there is, it's so interesting, especially the way that you said earlier that this is not a political statement. This is not anything about dealing with culture. This is just kids trying to be kids, young adults be, trying to be young adults in a world where the political viewpoints are making it, are having an effect on their lives and what they can and cannot do. Because we were talking about, you know, cultural impact on our writing in this case in terms of obviously Korean culture I had a question for you in, in the sense that her mom is very strong she is a very this is what's going to happen this is what you're going to do and 
that's it. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. But her father is very supportive of her. How much of an impact did her parents have on her life besides just that small section of, hey, we're you're not going to go to school anymore. We're just going to have you get all this money, and then we're going to send your brother to school instead. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what made Hensuk fight so hard is it is that you know, her mother did not want her to go to school. Like her mother was not allowed to go to school as a kid. So she didn't see that Hyunsuk should be able to, you know, her mother didn't, wasn't even allowed to finish high school because that's how women didn't do that at the time. So her, her father was, you know, kind of like supportive, as you said, but her mother was very much against it. So it, it really, it made her fight really hard to do, to get into the school and do well and then made it even scarier when she has, when she has so much more risk because you know it's hard for her to get there to begin with. Um, one thing about her mother is that like in, in the book, there's that scene where uh, there's a scene where her mother and father kind of realize what she's been doing and find the evidence, and they, there's that moment where they kind of hug and even if they don't uh, agree, they they accept and understand. In reality, uh, her mother found out when Band Book Club came out two years ago. Oh no! And uh, the re- the only reason we added that little moment of hugging is I'm like I don't I really don't want to make a book where my mother in law is the villain yeah because I I still gotta hang out with her you know I mean she was just stubborn and like but she actually crashed one of our Hyunsuk was doing a live interview like this online and her mother just showed up at her house and crashed it and walked in front of the camera and said I'm proud of her and we're like <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, thank God. I bet okay. you she about had a heart attack. Okay oh, man. I, I was about to ask that. I was like, how's her mom looking at this now comparative to when it was like knowing that this was a secret stuff? But that I, I, the other thing I think is very interesting about this is uh, some of the some of the books that you actually bring in to this graphic novel. You hit everything from Shakespeare to uh, some political political authors, to just everyday societal philosoph- uh, philosophical authors. Was there a list of specific authors and books that you were like, this? these have to be happened? Or is it more of these are what she remembers and what was found in the, deli- the diaries of what they were going over at that time? And the thing is, there was no official list. It was kind of like, if they need an excuse to arrest someone and be like the cop that breaks your tail light, oh, that's a banned book. Like if a cop said it's a banned book, then it's a banned book. So I had to do a lot of research, read articles, look at books about the time, interview people about books they remember being banned. And I tried to show a wide breadth of books because, you know, one of the, the books that one of the character goes to prison for reading, which is a true story, was Kim Il-sung's autobiography, which was banned for being North Korean propaganda, communist propaganda. Also, they banned books about democracy because they knew that if someone reads a book about democracy, they'll be like, wait, we don't have any of this. You said we have a democracy. And it was kind of basically anything about politics, but also books about, you know, poems about freedom. In one of the sequels, we talk about a book that was banned was Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? The children's book about color and and counting. And that's because they confused the author with a similarly named author who wrote commun- or, uh, political propaganda. And I found out later that 
a few years ago, the book was banned in Texas for the exact same reason. <laughs> so it's still going on. I just wanted to show the wide variety of things that are banned for completely different reasons. I, I think it's hilarious that you brought up Texas because we, in the previous episode, we were talking about like Texas has more districts that are banning books specifically on certain, on certain topics, politics, sexual orientation, I, you know, gender identification and stuff like that. And, you know, for someone who lived close to Texas, I was stationed in Louisiana. So I love my pe my Southern peeps. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but there was even a, another one that I thought was interesting that you brought the, you had her bring the scarlet letter in and they're like, Oh yeah, no, that's not really what we're talking about. We were talking about, you know, these banned books, but you bring up, and I'm trying to find it real quick. It was about uh, a woman that was riding a, a horse naked. Yeah, it was a very famous movie in Korea. Yeah, in Korea, when they they were like, okay, okay, we're taking away your freedom of speech. You can't talk about political stuff, but we'll let you put boobies in movies. Again. How's that? You good? You good? You fine? And so they there was a very famous entire movie franchise about a naked woman who rides a horse. So they ripped off Lady Godiva to, to appease the Basically. masses. Like, hey, we know we're taking Basically, away all your rights, yeah. but here's a naked lady. But it, it it brings up that whole concept of, hey, this is what this watch what the right hand's doing because the left hand is taking everything else. It's like this is the distraction. Yeah. And and when you look at it from that point of view, and you look at what's because you're you're still in South Korea, so I'm pretty sure I'm I should say pretty sure I'm presuming that this is still something that is still happening here and there, depending on, you know, obviously the content of the writing per se. Well, I mean, Korea, because of the people like we covered in the book, Korea has completely changed. Like that regime is gone. Okay. One, one of my, my favorite moments of after writing the book is that um, we were like in the book. Because, you know, I was worried about similar thing because like all these people gave us their stories and gave us permission. But I was afraid that like, are they going to regret this when the book comes out? Because technically they're committing, they're admitting to crimes. Yeah. And I didn't want to cause trouble at her school or in the city. So I changed everyone's name. I changed the name of the school. I changed them in the city. And then every one of those people and every one of those institutions did their own book tour, press tour to tell people I, we're, we're the real and Anjun University is actually, it's a pun that means safety school. Um, it was actually Chengwan City. And the mayor of the city uh, teamed up with the, uh, the head of the school and invited us out for a big press event. And I'm like, do they, do they know that the government and the school are not the good guys of this book? And then later, the mayor of the city explained to us, I know that the city is the bad guy in the book, the, you know, the government's bad guy in the book, but I used to be in a band book club and now I'm the friggin' mayor. So we won. <laughs> it's like, boom. I love I that. Like it. I do too. I love Absolutely. that. That is awesome because that shows how much of a change has happened between the time that this occurred to now. I love how you're saying that there's not really a banned book at, at all there anymore comparative to what's happening here and we can always go in we try not to i gotta say there's a complete difference you can read a banned book in america and you're not getting thrown in prison or, or anything like that right. it's, it's a little different mac right but what, different. but what i'm saying is there's no such thing as a banned book 
you know, as a, that's what I'm interpreting from what you just told me, correct? Well, what's funny now is the one book that is actually technically banned is um, the the dictator that uh, that did all of this and had all these people killed for reading banned books. He was actually for his war crimes. He was actually sentenced to death, and in order to like heal the nation, the next president pardoned him. And one of the the rules of his pardon was he was never allowed to write a book about uh, about his life. And he did. And so that book is banned. So there's only one so, book in the entire country. You, basically, yeah. Basically, <laughs> Very yeah. Very nice. But it's different comparative to what we see over here is the fact yeah. Yeah. that, yes, you can have the, the title, hey, I had a banned book. And it, nothing's going to happen to you. Like you said, you could go to a library and everything, uh, Chelsea, and people can still get the book. And it's not going to do anything. But in Korea at that time, no. it was like, oh, you have a book, you're done. It, it doesn't matter if you're the author. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, Joe Smell off the street. Well, that's that's how banned books have been in America for a long time. They were always treated as kind of a joke. Yeah. But now with this latest movement, like I, I've, I've been working very closely with librarians in America. Our book got banned in Clay County, Florida. So I actually flew 8,000 miles to Florida to come talk to people on the ground, working with PEN America, working Florida Freedom Read. And like, there, there's a law that like, if a librarian, if a librarian has a book on a shelf that one person has complained about, they can be charged with a felony. Uh, they can go to jail for putting a book on a shelf. There's uh, states that are trying to pass laws. The publishers can go to jail for publishing something that the state decides is obscene. Uh, which is a lot of young adult books that they don't like. So it that has been the case for a long time, but there are people who are working really hard trying to change that. And they're, I mean, that's why I talked about, like, first they come for the books and they come for the, for the people. You know, I've, I've learned so much in, in writing Banned Book Club where I learned, you know, first they ban books, and once you ban the books, they try and put you in prison. That's what they're trying to do now. Uh, I wrote another one called Occulted about my friend that grew up in a cult, and she was banned uh, from reading books because they didn't want her to find out about what's really going on in the world. And so when she read the books anyway, they took her from her, the family and that's what's happening uh, in some places. Now they're taking like trans kids away from their families. So it, for a long time, it has been like, you know, banned books is kind of an adorable term, but there are people who really want to make it like it was in Korea and make it dangerous and make it so you can go to prison for having a book that someone doesn't like. It's intense. It is. So, what is what is next in your I know you said you're working on two right now. Like are mm -hmm. you personally going to illustrate the next ones in the Bamboo Club? Yeah, the next two I'm illustrating because the, the first one was such a, a story about Korean history. I wanted a Korean artist to illustrate it. And the the next two are more personal I'm working with Hyunsuk again, more stories from her friends, but they're more personal stories about trips she took with friends. And so she thought we thought it was better if I actually illustrate it with her uh, in the room and kind of make everything match with it. So yeah, I'm, I'm writing and illustrating the next two stories of her, her college life. How, how has this impacted your relationship with your wife? Has this, I'm presuming this has brought you guys a lot closer now that you guys are really working on something that should be out there for people to see. Yeah. I mean, she definitely understands what I do now more. Um, and it was interesting because like, when we were writing the book, like it was her telling me the story and I was at the keyboard typing it. 
And then she actually got hired to translate her own book into Korean. So then we just switched places where it was her at the keyboard typing in Korean and asking me follow-up questions about like, why did you phrase this this way? Oh my God, is this a stupid pun? Did you put a stupid <laughs> pun in my book? Explain it to me so I can find another way to say it. And so like her learning what I do. And then also like, you know, I, like I said, I've been making comics since I was a baby. Like that, that doesn't mean anyone's ever read them. I made a com- bunch of comics nobody's ever read. And then this book just kind of blew up. It came at the exact right moment when history was starting to repeat itself. And it, it kind of blew up. So, like, she just thinks, oh, this is what happens when you write a book. And I'm like, it's not usually like that. You don't usually win awards and get flown around the world and, you know, do talks and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been really interesting seeing her kind of discover what it is that I do. She still thinks it's a dorky thing her husband does, but, you know, we're working together now. But at least you guys are actually understanding one another a little bit more, too, with this. And so that being said, what is your writing kryptonite? What is has she figured out like what her writing kryptonite is, her her weakness as well? Well, her weakness is that she doesn't like writing books. <laughs> <laughs> when when uh when we finished the, the first book, uh like it was starting to get win awards and starting to get like good reviews and star reviews and things. And I'm like, this is really exciting. It's like, do you get any money for that? And I'm like, no, but we might get another book deal. We get to write another book. She goes, I got to write another one. I just wrote one. I'm tired. My writing kryptonite is that I, um, my brain is too full of ideas. I have so many things I want to write, but I find that what helps me is working on two things at once or like taking a break in between projects. Cause with all these banned books based things, I'm working with so many like survivors of horrifying experiences who use banned books to save their lives and work through trauma. And like, it's a very, you know, it's amazing to write those books, but you have to think so hard about like, am I going to traumatize this person by asking this question? And I have to write in a way that like does justice to their story. And then I'll be like, I got to write a book about a weird robot because I can make that weird robot do whatever I want and just make it goof as goofy as I want. So I like bouncing back and forth between projects that have wildly different tones. I do the same thing. Oh, yeah. it's, it makes it so much easier and it opens your mind, gives you kind of a break from things. And... That's why we don't look at her folders either. Cause uh, it'll actually throw you a hemorrhage into your brain. Um, is there a quote or someone in your life besides your wife uh, that inspires you to continue writing? When I was a kid, the I was obsessed with like newspaper comics and like it just the fact that a lot of them have been around since like for like hundreds of years and they go update every day. That's something that I could literally never do. My brain cannot do that. I can't write gags and I can't like I can't tell one story for my entire life. And so just knowing that like Someone, you know, even if it's like their grandkids are doing it now because it's been through a million different authors, like just the inspiration of like uh, these things I read as a kid are still going. So this thing I'm working on, I can finish it. So where can people find you? Is is there other events that you're going to be working on soon? Are you going to fly out to the U.S. again? The floor is yours, sir. Uh, Yeah, if you just go to RyanEstrada.com, 
All my stuff's there. There's so many free comics you can read. Information about all my books you can find in bookstores and libraries. All my social media is there. And yeah, I should be heading back to the U.S. next year for another book tour. I still don't know. I don't know what the schedule of it is. Everything you need to know about me is at ryanestrada.com. Uh, check out Band Book Club. Check out the new book, Occulted. And uh, yeah, everything's there. Thank you so much, Ryan. We appreciate you taking the time, especially you know with the time difference and everything here. Hopefully you got enough sleep for this. Thank you for having me. All right. What do you think, Chels? I think he gave some great advice, you know, with keep going. That is a, a solid thing. Like, you know, there are times when as, as an author of uh, uh, anything in life, like you want to stop and like his idea of, all right, this one's been going for generations. I can't stop now. That's amazing advice. And then the tidbit about the graphic novels, I didn't realize until he had said it. And I know in my head, I'm like, oh, that's so much easier than writing it. But I don't have to draw the facial expressions. I don't have to draw my character every time they walk into a room. I can just say, Avery goes nuts and walks into the room. I don't have to draw her the exact same way every time. Yeah. I think that was kind of cool. We'll have to get some more graphic novels. I know. That's what I was thinking, too. Definitely. Uh, we're going to have to talk to your friends about that. Um, <laughs> see if we can get some more people. Because, yeah, I think... People need to understand, especially those that are very snobby with, oh, that's not literature. Literature is something that's been around for generations upon generations. Yeah, those are the people that like Shakespeare. <sighs> I knew he was coming back. <laughs> the, the ghost will just not die. Anyways, no, but I think it's interesting the fact that when we bring up this thought process of, hey, comics, graphic novels, whatever you want to call them, these illustrations are doing the exact same thing that the words on the page are doing. They're both ink, they have paper, and sometimes they have color. It's just something that happens. But they're doing the exact same thing. They're telling a the story. They're making you feel something for these characters. Look, at people can say the word Marvel, and the first thing that pops in their head most of the time is characters from the Marvel world. This franchise that came out of nowhere. <laughs> even though it's been around for generations. I was going to say, it came out of nowhere. Well, compared from a business point of view, Marvel didn't really hit big until like the, the late 70s, Robert early Daddy 80s. Yeah. Well, for this generation, they only see what they see in the movies. They didn't see that, you know, Iron Man's been around since the 70s. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, freaking Black Panther's been around since 65. Uh, Superman's been around since 1923, I think. That's DC. That's different. It, it, you know what I mean, though. It, it, it doesn't matter. Anyways, what I'm saying is still the same thing. Even manga. Manga's been around for generations. It's been around forever, mm -hmm. too. But what I'm saying is, is that these stories are doing the exact same thing as, as any, any other literary icon has been doing for generations, too. So <laughs> keep your minds open. Keep your opinions to yourself. Use common sense. We talked about all these little things about, again, what band, being banned actually means in these different areas. It's different every place. It being a joke in one place, the other place, it's you're dead. We've talked about, again, how culture impacts our, our writing. And, of course, again, what are misinterpretations? Because, again, when we're talking about the Korean culture at that time, 
one person going to say one thing, but a cop on the streets like, oh, that's banned. Why? Because it says so. It's politics. It has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter. These things are important for people to understand, especially when you're a writer. So again, we want you to take these tidbits, enjoy your writing, enjoying the journey that you're dealing with, and understand what's going on in the world around you and how it impacts your writing, how it impacts your brand, how it impacts your business, because you never know whose life you're going to impact. So until next time, continue writing, inspiring, and sharing those stories so that you can unleash your creativity. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.